You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Soap here in my kitchen. Excited to be joined by 2012 NLC Sacramento fellow Ryan Hughes, also a longtime NLC LA board member. He's always got tons of good stories, so let's get to it. Hey. Oh. <laughs> All right. We were laughing before we started. So you're famous and infamous, I think, with our fellows because we've asked you to come in <laughs> for many institute years and do, I don't know if you call it a seminar or training, a workshop on APA research. Describe to folks what you do when you come into a fellows class. Well, so, um, I, I mean, I think I have to describe what I do before I, <laughs> I, I tell what I do for the fellows. So I'm um, on campaigns, I do opposition research, which is you research the other side and you figure out what their, their weaknesses are. And you also want to know the weaknesses on your side. So so you, you, you do research on, on the candidates. And so um, on NLC's uh, Institute Day that centers around politics and elections, uh, they have me come in and I do a seminar, an hour. Uh, it's called Let Me Tell You About You, where I've already done research on everybody in the room. And everybody kind of, when I tell people, they, you know, they shift in their seats and are a little uncomfortable. Um, but uh, it's, I've, it seems to be a pretty effective teaching tool. So, yeah. So a couple questions on that. So, and you really just give you what names of the fellows, if that's all you're going on. I don't really feel like I give you anything beyond that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's mostly names of the fellows. Uh, and I, I'll read their, their profile on the NLC website to kind of get an idea of their professional background and, uh, maybe what cities they've lived in and, and things like that. And then I go from there. And then do you have access to secret tools or these are tools that anyone could reasonably get if they wanted to conduct quote unquote opposition research? Uh, they, it's, it, I have access to tools that are not easy to get access to. Mm-hmm. Anybody could, not anybody, but most people, you know, if you, uh, you know, paid the money and, and went through some of the vetting processes, uh, you could get them. Yes. But they're not cheap. So then where do you, typically find the most interesting stuff? Is it in, say, tax filings? Is it in somebody's record of things they bought at Ralph's with the Ralph's Club card? Like, what gives you <laughs> most insight? Well, first of all, all of it is publicly available information. I don't know what you bought on your Ralph's card. That's, okay. that's not publicly available <laughs> information. It would be uh, probably a crime for me to know that. Um, but so it, it really depends on on the candidate. Uh, I, I've, I worked a couple races this cycle where um, these are both local candidates. Um, like, you know, I think one was maybe a, or one was a, a DA candidate and one of them was a school board candidate. The, uh, one of the candidates I was in the assessor's office, you know, trolling through, uh, tax records going back to the nineties and found that the candidate hadn't paid, uh, the, t- uh, paid taxes on time, uh, you know, maybe five, six times. Uh, actually maybe it's more than that. It might've been up to 10. But, uh, you know, that's, that's important for, you know, somebody, somebody who's in public office who paid their taxes on time. Uh, you know, you want to set an example for, for everybody else. Uh, and then there was another, uh, another race I was working where I was going through, I, I went through 30,000 paid, not individually, I, I had help of a computer, but, uh, I found that a candidate had steered a hundred million dollars of, of district contracts to uh, campaign contributors. When did you find that this was fun for you to do work-wise? Because uh, you did TFA guess, first, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Right yeah, yeah, so yeah, I did, uh, right out of college, I, I taught in the Mississippi Delta, uh, Greenville, and 
I mean, after so I, mean, I guess it was during law school because they, they they give you access to this stuff in law That's school, true. and um, and I had uh, one of my mentors. He was he's an attorney and he was running for for judge, and I started just kind of helping him up and helping him out and dig up some things on his opponent uh, without really thinking about this as a profession uh, or something you would do professionally. And then um, on the Jerry Brown campaign in, in 2010, I just kind of showed up because I was living in the Bay Area. I was finishing up law school. And I said, oh, you're graduating law school? Why don't you go work with the research people? There are a bunch of lawyers back there. So that's, mm-hmm. that's how I ended up. And then with Trump being in office, is it changing your mind what electability means? Is there anything that you would find on someone in upper research that you would throw your body in front of that person from running because it was so heinous? I mean, obviously there's something criminal, but like I do feel the bar has lowered so much with like what's electable uh, profile of a person just based on all the things Trump had in his past that didn't really factor into people voting for him or not. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a complete answer to that. I mean, you're certainly right that the level of electability has has dropped and people or voters are willing to forgive or ignore a lot of things that would have mattered in the past. Um, that said, I I firmly believe that, and this isn't really an indictment of, of um, reporters or the media, but just by virtue of the fact that newsrooms have been slashed and... Um, there just aren't as much resources to uh, you know, third-party neutral arbiters anymore. Um, figuring, you know, digging up and, and, and figuring out uh, and, and publishing, you know, those stories. There, there were a lot of stones that were unturned. I, I work now with uh, a lot of people who are going back and kind of going into the, the '70s and the '80s, and you know, some of these uh, business deals and transactions that he was up to, and nobody bothered it's not that they didn't bother nobody probably had the resources to do it so it's it's somewhere in the middle and then if somebody wanted to consider how social media would play into upper research because when you when you started it probably was less of a factor you can do as many searches through people's linkedin or facebook or tweets you know has that changed with, with social media evolving so much does that does that change now how you approach upper research as a concept when you do this on your own time for folks that might ask you to do it? Uh, a, a little bit. It's certainly, it's, I, I mean, I don't know when, when I started, it was, it's, it's just another source. So, you know, you're looking through property records, you're looking through tax records, you're looking at voting histories, voting patterns, campaign contributions, social media is just another thing you look at. And, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the story and it's just, just another place you want to look. And when people ask you when they're considering running, uh, if you would do upper research on them, is there any reason you wouldn't? Like, no, you no. Friend, or are you ever f- afraid what you would find, or what? What, what are your stances? No your so, principles on that. Yeah. So, so that's uh, so I, I have my own uh, law practice now, and this, so this is actually um, one of the, the services that I'm like trying to promote to candidates, mm-hmm. which is have me do your research, uh, your your self research. And I'm your lawyer, and then it's, oh. it's confidential. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are firms on the East Coast that, that do that that kind of service. As I, there are none in California, so I'm, hmm. I'm trying. And I and I have been approached by a couple people who've had me do it, and now you know their secrets are safe are, with you. Is it safe with me? I mean, yeah, they it, they theoretically be safe with a consultant who signed an NDA, but you know that NDA that that consultant doesn't lose their law license if mm-hmm. they they go share that file. That's yeah, true. So mistakes are different. Yeah. Nice. 
Listen, when we come back after the break, we'll talk a little bit more about what Ryan's up to with one of his new projects. You're listening to the Zag, stay tuned. All right, give me the scoop on this thing. Tell me the name, first of all. I think it's clever. So the, the name of the, the project is Dollar Dollar Bill. And how did the name come to be? The, the name came to be uh, by, uh, so, so the, w- w- what this is, is so Dollar Dollar Bill, it's a nonprofit organization that uh, is trying to take campaign finance data and make it visual and accessible and understandable to anybody who wants to know about it. And this is, pertains to state level data. So uh, all your um, you know, governor on, and other statewide offices down to uh, Senate and Assembly, state Senate and Assembly. Um, so this is a, a project I've been doing off and on. Uh, it's now you know, f- a formal nonprofit corporation. Um, but I used to just kind of do it as a hobby when I, I worked in the legislature. And, uh, and I published it and it, it got fairly popular in the, the Sacramento community in 2012. And so we were kind of sitting around and uh, at happy hour uh, after uh, happy hour on Friday with a bunch of Sacramento friends who work in the Capitol. And, and I was like, what do I call this thing? And, and one of my friends just blurted out dollar dollar bill. And, and we all laughed. And, um, and now she is a legislative director for a state agency where she runs bills. So. <laughs> And then, remind me, was there a, a Kickstarter involved with Dollar Dollar Bill, or how did it get funded? Yeah, so I, uh, using uh, all you know, some of those t- skills I learned in the the NLC mm-hmm. Institute, uh, you know, fundraising and making asks and, and all those things. Um, a couple years ago, I wanted to to, to take the organization and um, and put a little bit of money behind it, and you know, make it a make it a nonprofit, um, pay for some tools, and and pay for uh, some infrastructure that would make it more reliable and just just more solid, um, and kind of launch it. And uh, so I, I ran a Kickstarter, um, raised a little over ten thousand dollars, and um, launched a couple weeks ago. So then, what does the back end look like? You just get <laughs> mounds and mounds of data, and you have written programs that sift through it, or what does it even? So, so that, that's part that, of it. What and does that, that Google Sheet even look like? Uh, so so it's. It's um it's 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 been this interesting process. So that what you just described is basically kind of where I was and and uh, before I, I did the Kickstarter where it was like oh you know I have a server and it downloads the data and I have some scripts that kind of parse through it and, and do the data. But so as I was doing this, uh, I mean it is an immense amount of data and you have to be really efficient about how your database is structured and how you're parsing the data or else your runtime just goes through the roof and it you know it'll take days. So, I mean, there's been, so I had to learn a ton about making the databases efficient um, and also uh, the configuration of the server. So now I know I've, there's three servers in the mix. There's one that crunches the data um, uh, and runs the programs. There's one that's just a database that just stores the data and, and retrieves and sends it. And then the web server. So it's this kind of triangle uh, of servers and, and where are the I, servers located. Uh, one of them, the web server, I, I think they moved it to the East Coast, but then, but then, but the other two servers are um, they're up north in Northern California. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for for any uh, nonprofit people out there, I have a shout out for this this nonprofit called TechSoup that offers low cost um, uh, just just IT solutions. And so I was able to get um, two thousand dollars worth of Amazon Web Services credit for little little I think one hundred seventy bucks or something. Uh, and that included some consults with Amazon engineers, so they helped educate me on on some of the 
the configurations of uh, right. what's most efficient. And so then how often does the data get updated? Or do you get new data sets? So uh, there's, there's a huge data set that comes in every single night. It's 10 gigabytes or it's approaching 10 gigabytes. Um, so I process that one once a day, it comes out once a day, process it once a day, you know, in the, the wee hours of the morning. And then uh, for the rest of the day, every 10 minutes, my scripts look for um, what are called late contributions and late independent expenditures, which is money that is expended on an election and it has to be reported within 24 hours. Um, so my software and thanks to the folks of the secretary of state for, um, they, they started blocking everybody and I had to work with them to be like, Hey, I'm a nonprofit and I'm, you know, not some, you know, <laughs> uh, company that's just trying to troll websites and whatever they do. But, um, uh, so yeah, every 10 minutes, my software goes and finds the stuff. It re it recalculates the charts and the figures, uh, within that 10 minutes and then, um, tweets out that, you know, there's new activity. Um, and, uh, you can go and you can see it right away. So I feel like I've seen you tweet more in the last week or so, like specific, interesting nuggets of things that you're finding. So what is your, yeah. your goal beyond just being transparent? What kind of things are you trying to accomplish? Uh, well, I mean, I guess, so if you, if you, if you ask me, and this is kind of, I guess, kind of a philosophical question, uh, you know, is there, is there too much money in, in politics just as a general matter? I would, I would say yes. And that's, uh, based on, you know, my time on campaigns and time in Sacramento. Um, I, for all, for all intents and purposes, and this is a result of, um, Supreme court decisions that are, that have come down over three plus decades, four decades now, um, where it, it just if if you as a company as a person it doesn't matter want to put a lot of money into the political process you very much can do that now and um the result the result of that i think i personally believe is um part of the reason why we have so many problems in our in our political system uh and why like, the, the the first thing is that the candidates who get elected tend to be, and this isn't a hundred percent. You, there are some like good, diligent, hardworking people who are in Sacramento and Congress uh, for the right reasons and from both parties. Um, but most of the people from both parties, uh, they tend to be the people who tend to emerge from elections um, tend to be kind of wishy-washy, malleable people. Uh, and why is that? Um, the, the people who have uh, a lot of money to spend in elections when they are, looking at who to support with all that money in an election. They're not looking at, okay, who's the smartest and who's the best and who's uh, good for this district. And, it, and they're not even really, it's not even really the sinister, like who's going who's gonna to really just kind of go our way. They're, the question is more along the lines of who can we get, who, who's malleable enough? Who, who's going to kind of you know, do what we want, you know, it comes down to it, or who's not going to care? And so you end up with a lot, a lot of people who just don't care. Um, and they're there for the, they're, it's like they get to Sacramento, uh, or Congress, and then suddenly they have all these lobbyists nipping at their heels and handing them campaign contributions that are thousands of dollars. And, um, and they, you know, they, they take on this, their ego takes on this, <laughs> this, uh, life of its own. Uh, and then they're suddenly really not there for the right reasons. Um, so problem number one, and then problem number two is that, even so, you know, once they're elected and even if you are one of the, um, the people who's there for the right reasons and working hard and, and doing the work for your constituents, because there's so much money, uh, 
in the system, you, there's this arms race to keep raising and raising and raising. So even after you've been through a campaign and you spent the overwhelming majority of your time calling and dialing for dollars rather than engaging voters and learning about issues, uh, you get to wherever it is you're elected and you have to start raising money for the next thing automatically. And it's, um, so it's, it's taking, it's, it's, it's just a more, it's a morale drag and it's taking, it, it takes a ton of time from elected officials, uh, you know, from being in their office and doing their work, um, and learning about issues and, and writing bills and, and, and doing that stuff. And they go across the street to some nondescript office building and start calling people yeah. rather than doing the public's work. So then you're able to shine light on who's getting what kind of funds from whom. So then voters could say, well, that, right. that doesn't sit well with me or that person is susceptible to suggestions that I wouldn't want him or her to be suggestible to. What do you feel like could be yeah, some of the right. ways people could take the info from your, your site and use it? Sure. So, I mean, I, I guess it's, it's part of like a, a longer game in my mind, which, so like, if you want to cap the, the amount of money in elections or regulate the, the, the money in elections, like what can you do? Like, a, you can limit the sources that where the money can come from. B, you can limit the amount that the, available sources can give and then see you can make sure that everything's transparent and everybody can you know the press and the people can uh, police and govern it um so and th those three things are kind of traditionally thought of as like the three pillars of campaign finance reform over the course of four decades as i alluded to the supreme court has basically nullified the first two so we're left with uh transparency uh as really the only tool in the shed uh, and so I'm looking at you know, the problem and uh, I'm trying to do something that it, it, using that, that third, the third transparency tool, that education uh, of people just to see, just to show how much money is in the system. Uh, and and you know, also as a tool for reporters, so they can go and click on a race and just automatically see uh, so they can write those stories. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really uh the end goal. Yeah. A couple more questions and we come back after a final break about Dollar Dollar Bill. Thanks for listening to Zag. We'll be right back. So since you launched, any interesting outreach from reporters like you mentioned or people in elected office or any campaigns, anything that stands out? It's like, oh, I'm glad they actually know this exists. Uh, let's, so, I mean, right, right after I, I launched, the, I, I got a call from a reporter who, um, I was thinking about doing a story about um, uh, money in the attorney general's race, mm -hmm. and he was he was able to to do to to use the tool and and saw kind of exactly what was going on and uh, wrote a story, gave me a shout out, which is nice. And um, uh, and the, <laughs> the 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 most satisfying part is that uh, he said that you know his his newspaper verified my numbers. I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good yeah. sign. And then long term, would you see this only being? Related to California, could you see it branching out to other states? Um, well, I mean, so the, the question I get um, most often is, "Hey, this is great. Can you do it at the local level? You know, can you do oh, it, can you can you do it for school board? Can you do it for a city?" And the answer right now is like a pretty hard no. And just based on bandwidth of yourself, or just based on the it's, logistics of the data. I mean, uh, let's let's put bandwidth aside. Um, I am a one-person show here, and I'm you know I'm. <laughs> I'm the lawyer, I'm the website designer, I'm the programmer, the fundraiser. You know, I've, I'm doing all these things myself. Tweets, yeah. yeah uh, well, it, it actually automatically does uh, a lot of the tweets right nice. now. Uh, it picks up on what's interesting. Um, 
so like let's put bandwidth aside the so the 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 reporting at the local first of all it varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction drastically you might be able to get a spreadsheet uh, best case scenario from some um worst case scenario i mean i i imagine that there are places where you still you know get in fact no, this is, oh, I know this is true because of a, a race that I worked a cycle. Um, if you want to, if you want to get, you, know, you have to go down to city hall and get, you know, paper, you know, oh, physically, physical. yeah. So, you know, kind of runs a gamut. It's not the, so the secretary of state is dumping a huge text file every night that has all the data in it, which, you know, you can use, but you know, you would have to get all the localities on some sort of system. I mean, actually the, the, re- the real solution would be to have everybody file with the Secretary of State. And they have a new system building, and you know maybe that's down the road, but I wouldn't wait for it. And then an expansion of what exists, is there any scenario where uh, you get like an outside funder because you, or like another Kickstarter to add another well, uh, yeah. human being to support you in your efforts? <laughs> like what, what would be the way to expand what's, what's currently there? Right. So, uh, I mean, and those are, those are the next steps that I'm, I'm starting to think about. And I'm... Um, Try, I mean, I mean uh, another Kickstarter, I mean, that would be like, hey, you know, we did this and now I want to build this this new one tool. Um, but um, what I think I want to think bigger than that. And so, like, I'm kind of going back and forth with do I do I try to monetize the site? I mean, I'm, when I say monetize, it's, it's a C3, so it's not like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not filling my pockets. It, it would be to, to fund the organization uh, through, you know, through advertising kind of thing. Or do I... Uh, and this, you know, if I go down this route, it's, it would be a good resource, a good NLC resource to kind of kick off people is to, you know, go after institutional grants and, yeah. and which I don't have any experience doing. So, yeah. And last thing on, on NLC, you know, we're picking the new fellows this Saturday. It's the main interview day. So yeah. we will see about 50 folks or so. What do you, and you've been in that interview experience a couple of times. What do you remember about interviewing potential fellows in those long morning sessions or afternoon sessions or the whole day? Uh, I mean, it's, I would say that the best ones are, are ones where you walk away having learned something new where, you know, the, the potential fellow, um, can, teaches you something and had like, so I did an interview once with, uh, you know, somebody and, and, you know, maybe they, they're an expert in a, in a policy area or, or, you know, some subject that I know a little bit about and I'll kind of be like, Hey, well, what do you think about this? Or, you know, you're, uh, let's just say, you know, let's put politics aside and money aside. Like what's the solution? And they'll just like, you know, uh, word vomit, like a, a whole, yeah, but, but like a delightful word vomit, yes. um, uh, you know, interesting, like cool solution. And those are the ones that I tend to latch onto. And I'm like, yeah, that was, that's really cool. And that person should be a fellow. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited to meet the folks, and we're excited to have you on this episode of The Zag. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading and subscribing. You can find all past episodes, and there's a bunch, over 100 now. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. You name it, it's there. Stay tuned for more episodes coming next week. Until then, we'll see you soon. 